Sometimes I don't know how to answer questions about Christianity. Sometimes I get asked questions that I wonder myself. I know I don't have all the answers, and I trust the Bible to guide me. But for someone who doesn't believe in the Bible, where do I even start? Searching for God is a study package you can do alone or with a group. It'll walk you through some of the challenges you're facing from friends or family who don't understand your faith. Searching for God. Available at Zondervan.com. As Christians, at a certain point, if you decide you believe in the sovereignty of God, if you say God is in control of everything, then you can't really ask why anymore because the answer is always going to be because it's part of my perfect plan. But what you can say is, I don't like it. I don't understand how it's going to fit into your plan. This makes me uncomfortable. This makes me unhappy. But God's not authoring all of time to make us happy or content. He's authoring all of time to spin all of humanity in his direction because he desires that no one be lost. And so this is a whole really hard thing to, to wrestle with theologically. But I would be remiss if I didn't take out the word why. What we have a hard time squaring up is that idea out here. Uh, how does it square up to what's happening in my life right now? How, how does a good God who loves me and has a good plan for my life allow this right now to happen? Hi, this is Holly and welcome to Study With Friends. This week is part three in our series on the book of 1 Peter, which teaches us specifically about suffering in the context of faith. How do we suffer for the gospel? How do we suffer as human beings? Jesus knows and understands our suffering. Let's think about that together. If you'd like to hear the rest of the series, go to studywithfriends.org and type Peter in the search box. And you can listen there online or search us on your favorite streaming service like Spotify or iTunes. Let's get started. Chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, which I just read, are, is related to chapter 4, 17 to 14. So we can glance at that uh, just to make that same parallel. I'll, um, it's some of what I just said, some of what Gianna said um, about loving others because love covers a multitude of sins. So um, so in the end, the end of all things is near. I'm in chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's a certain sense of suffering if you're not mm -hmm. a person who likes, if you're an introvert. Uh, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, which can be suffering. Like you may have a gift, but not really want to give it. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, do not be surprised. Here we go in, into verse 12. Do, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though you were, as though something strange were happening to you. I love Peter. Yeah, I, I, I love Peter. <laughs> He's like... Do you sassy. Not know He's what a little you sassy signed there. up for. <laughs> yeah. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is re revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, Caitlin, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and, of, and for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Um so uh, yeah, I love the sass in verse 12. Do not be surprised 
at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in the really um, powerful passage right there. Rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Um, You know, I guess it bears mentioning whatever we suffer. It's nothing anywhere near what Christ suffered for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So rejoice as you participate in the suffering. That's you know, Peter puts that forward as an, a special honor that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, but we are chosen to participate with Jesus in all ways. And part, a big part of that is suffering. If you're not sure about how Jesus suffered, go back to Mark mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. he lays it out for you in that gospel, how Jesus suffered to serve us. Um, and then, you know, be thankful for those sufferings that you share in the suffering of Christ, that you're honored, blessed to be someone who God called into an intimacy with him to suffer for your faith. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or no? Yeah. Okay. And then the last piece, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Well, I just was thinking about, um, you know, you said no matter what we're going through, it won't be anything compared to what Jesus went through. And for a second, I was like, I don't know. I know some people who've gone through a lot. Yeah, me too. And I was, but then I was thinking like, yeah, Jesus, I mean, he didn't have a wonderful life, but he was a, you know, he, he was okay up to the end. You know, he wasn't too terribly great at the end. But I, but I was just thinking the suffering that Jesus went through, I think that, um, that the disciples um, most often reference because they were there and they saw, you know, but I think what they really mean by, you know, Jesus's suffering isn't the um, earthly consequences. You know, it isn't the earthly things of like being mocked and, and all those things, because I absolutely know people who are going through things that are worse than being mocked. You know, but Jesus took every single person's sin upon himself. And that is something that we can never imagine. And I just wanted to, because for for a minute when you said it's nothing compared to what Jesus went through for a minute, I was like, well, well, it can be, you know, like, because I was thinking about Mark and, you know, his Jesus's ministry in the three years in his life. And like, I was like, yeah, I mean, even Peter, he hung on a cross upside down, like, People could argue that's worse than hanging on a cross up right side up, you know, but like, I think that's what, what's important to know mm-hmm. about what Jesus went through was the supernatural ordeal that he went through of taking on every single sin, past, present, and future, which is unfathomable. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine all of my sins, past, present, and future. I don't even know. <laughs> like he did that for every single person. There are 7 billion people in the world right now. I mean, you know, not to mention, not to mention before all, mm-hmm. all of the generations before mm-hmm. and to come. That's a lot. So I just wanted, cause for a minute I was Thank not questioning Jesus you know, suffering. I was like, yeah, I know he suffered, but like, but yeah, it's just the, mm-hmm. he suffered. Well, he suffered in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. But that's, that's the biggest of all. That's the, that's the big one that yeah. I forgot about. Thank you, you for know? pointing mm-hmm. that out. Thank you. Um, and I agree with Gianna. It's like a lot of people forget about that. It's the biggest suffering that Jesus went through. But I just wanted to. The last time when we were talking about Mark, I was talking about the relatability of that. And I think this kind of 
like talked about that when it was saying like rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of christ and it was like it's you know you're relating to him and it's like you can't um it's like when you're suffering you can always remember like jesus suffered too Mm -hmm. and i think that's a good i mean you don't want you know suffering's not fun but it's like when you're suffering it's like a nice reassurance you're not alone that yeah that you're not alone it's just something you have in common with jesus Mm -hmm. but but caitlin's lifting out that jesus went through it too yeah and that yeah. he doesn't forget you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was so blessed when you said that on the last recording because it was really a good reminder for me, you know, of the humanity of Jesus and why he took on flesh and why he lived the life that he lived so that we would find him to be accessible. Because mm-hmm. that's what that's what God wanted to do through Jesus. Mm, exactly. Build a bridge of accessibility into relationship with him. Does anybody else have other comments on that? So I'm going to kind of skip through to the rest of chapter two. I I lifted out in the discussion guide verses 13 to 15 and verses 18 to 25, which lead into um, chapter three. And um, I would say uh, chapter three up to and through verse seven. I, I, I lifted out a little bit of that. Um, there's uh, conspicuous by its absence is the uh, famous First Peter three wives um, submit to your husbands. Well, but the reason I lift I left that out is not because I'm afraid of it. Actually, I'm going to tackle it in a blog that I that I wrote actually, which is published already on the website um, because it's it's uh, it's something that bothers people some people. Uh, and so I'm going to really unpack that in a blog. Uh, I chose not to do it in this particular study, but I'm not running away from it. In fact, I would love for you to read that blog and uh, comment below. But um, I want to stay focused on this global suffering and not um, necessarily go into the feminist questions that come out of that First Peter 3 passage. But I, I will tackle them just in another forum. So... Um, then in t- then it, uh, we'll go into uh, three eight. Actually, is another one for you, Gianna, because it tells us to love each other. Mm. Yeah. So, and you know, um, you're being transparent about that. I appreciate that. But the truth is, when you say you don't like people, um, what you're really saying is you're an introvert. You'd prefer not to s- be around people. You'd prefer to be alone. Um, I, I just find sir, most people, uh, the people at large, yeah. <laughs> just irritating (laughs) yes there's a few of them that i don't mind but on the whole yeah (laughs) you know like yeah yeah yeah. so should we be concerned gianna no (laughs) i like you guys she's her father's daughter because i really can leave if you know (laughs) yeah you should you should i'm on my way she likes us (laughs) she's just like Everybody. So you think. I get it. Trust me. We all do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So those, uh, that gets us a little bit through chapter four, unless there's something in the verses I just glossed over that you want to really lift out. I'm going to go ahead to five. I actually, could we spend one minute on uh, 15, 16, and 17? In what chapter? Uh, Chapter three. um, It's within 13 and 17, but starting with, uh, three fifteen. Mm-hmm. 
Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. And the last verse here really hits me. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, We're going to totally unpack that entire yeah, side. That's why I, I underlined it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, say what you want to say about it. We'll no, come no, back no. to it. I mean, it's. I think you're going to get to it anyway, but this whole point of doing this in a gentle and respectful way and remembering that is better to suffer for doing good than to suffer for doing wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't well, know. you know, see, now you're calling me out because what I, what I was kind of skipping over was, was these passages that call us to submit. Yeah. Whether we like it or not. Right. Yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. mention, um, two eighteen. Okay. Two, go for it. Yeah. No, just, just 18 to 25, not the entire thing, but it says servants, sorry, 18, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Mm-hmm. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sol- sorrows while suffering unjustly. I just, I, when you were asking us to pull out, you know, the ones we wanted to hit, I was just like, well, let's talk about that. All right, let's talk about it. I was going to skip it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, the Holy Spirit prevails. You go. <laughs> well, I just didn't, I didn't have anything, you know, specifically like a whole I didn't have a you know sermon to to talk about this, but I was just like, it doesn't seem right. It just doesn't. It it, it seems counterintuitive. You know, it brings up. I'm gonna bring in some moral questions here, but like guilt by association. If you're serving an unjust master, does that and they're doing something bad? You know, they're doing something morally wrong. Does that make you accountable for it? You know, just like that sort of philosophical question that um i i didn't think because i didn't think i was going to have to tackle in the bible because i figured god would not want us to associate with bad things mm-hmm. and yet peter is here telling us to I, i'm serve glad you you said that faithfully. because that's a really hard one to wrap your brain around yeah so i don't I, that's which a, part this is me posing a question doing not, asking, the, not answering doing something morally wrong to serve a master but if that master is doing things that are morally wrong and we're being called out to serve that master, you know, mm-hmm. where, where's what? Let me let her speak first. You had your little. Oh, yeah. Um, well, my translation has slaves. So I thought that was um, oh. interesting. And. um yeah, and it also says, like, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. So I think that's bringing up, like, to answer the question, not fully, but partially, of, like, you know, is it okay to serve a morally incorrect uh, master? And it's also with the whole suffering for good and not suffering for evil. And, like, it's just you are supposed to obey and he was just saying, like, you're supposed to obey your master. And it's, like, it's not an easy thing to do. But it makes me think of, for me as an African-American with my ancestors, not many of, like, the slave masters then were nice people. But, you know, they still had to obey because, you know, you know, all the things that happened to them if they disobeyed. And it wasn't easy for them to go through that. But, mm-hmm. you I was, know. I was going to say, 
I'm pretty sure this, that I feel like that was one of the verses that was used to justify slavery back in the day. And well, yeah. to some crazy people now. Yeah. But um, listen, the Bible is often warped. Yeah. So what does to it justify mean? wrong behavior? What does it mean? We could do truth. a whole nother conversation on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if I, if I'm, I think that Caitlin lifted out an important element, which is uh, my translation also says slaves. Yeah, mine does too. So there's an so element of inescapability. Mm-hmm. And the question is, how do you behave inside this environment, which you are relegated to? Um, I don't want to compare slavery to marriage but this does lead into Mm -hmm. the next passage which i'm writing a blog on which is about wives submit to your husbands and then eventually it says husbands also treat your wives as christ loved the church um actually in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect uh (laughs) greg and i talked about this as the weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so nothing will hinder your prayers so uh, there's a lot in there. Again, I'm, I will unpack it more in the blog, but let me say this. I think that the message of First Peter 2, 18 through 3, 6, I think that whole message is about being a good witness even when it's hard, even when it stinks, even when the world would say you're right to behave a different way your right to retaliate, your right to snap back. And to me, this goes hand in hand with Jesus's teaching, turn the other cheek. Does that make any sense to you? Now, I won't, I won't, I won't go into the moral question because I think the whole Bible teaches us to do what is right yeah. and figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, and the reason I also don't feel the need to go into the moral question that you're asking is because I don't think it, I don't think this is speaking to the moral issue. I think this is speaking to the attitude. Mm. I think this is speaking to how do you respond when someone who's in authority over you is a stinker? <laughs> That's what I think this is about. Yeah. So I think he's saying, um, be reverent. Well, if you read 21, 1 Peter 2, uh, 21, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow his steps. Right. So clearly Jesus was in a really bad situation. Um, you know, we all know the story. However, he never even though those people were morally wrong and what they, how they were treating him mm-hmm. and what they were doing to him, he always took the high road. Yes. Yes. And even if it, even though it was unjust and it was wrong and we all know he, he never, in fact, when he hung on the cross, he said, forgive them for they not know what they do. Um, that's hard. Well, Romy, yeah. Can you tell me now that we're on this side of the cross and I know, you know, the answer, what was the purpose? Why did he, why did he submit? Because that's what he was called to do. God, because God is in control. Ultimately, he sees the final end result of yes. all of that. Whether it's in the time of the slaves and the African Americans and how they 
we're horribly treated, God has the final picture of what the end looks like. Mm-hmm. And we don't know why people suffer and go through horrible things. And it's a really tough pill to swallow and understand why these things happen. But he has the final picture at mm-hmm. the end of what those people have paid for the glory of God, maybe four or five generations later. But you you said, I, I'm going to, I love you, but I'm going to call out a small contradiction in what you just said. Because you said, we don't know why people suffer, but God has the big picture in mind. So I would t- turn that and say, we do know why people suffer because God has the big picture mm-hmm. in mind. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that is really hard to swallow. Well, I guess what I'm pulling out is when you talk to, I mean, believers and non-believers, we all can't figure out sometimes why good, bad things happen to good people mm-hmm. <laughs> or why bad things happen. You know, why did 9-11 happen? Why did all these tragedies happen? Why do those big tsunamis happen and wipe out thousands and thousands of people? Um it is because God has the final picture of, of the why. Mm-hmm. And in well, our flesh, we don't know why, and we can't wrap our ra- brains around why. And am I articulating yeah, well, yeah, this? Yeah, let me, let me, um, I don't, I don't let know me if I'm good at jump doing in a good job articulating Because I that, think but. as Christians, at a certain point, if you decide you believe in the sovereignty of God, if you say God is in control of everything, then then you can't really ask why anymore. Yeah. Because the answer is always going to be because it's part of my perfect plan. Right. But what you can say is, I don't like it. I don't understand how it's going to fit into your plan. This makes me uncomfortable. This makes me unhappy. But God's not authoring all of time to make us happy or content. Sure. He's authoring all of time to spin all of humanity in his direction because he desires that no one be lost. Right. And so this is a whole really hard thing to, to wrestle with theologically. Sure. But I would, I would, I would be remiss if I didn't take out the word why because I think you do know. I know you, Romy. I know you very well. I know you believe in the sovereignty of God. I know you don't question his goodness. What we have a hard time squaring up is that idea out here. Sure. For, uh, how does it square up to what's happening in my life right now? How how does a good God who loves me and has a good plan for my life allow this right now to happen? And that's kind of what Amy said earlier, that when we're in the middle of our suffering, we can only see six inches in front of our face. Right. And it goes back to being in the flesh and being sanctified. And why am I suffering about, you know, I mean, goes back to the question of what does this teach you about suffering, right? Because you are in the flesh and you are being sanctified and you have to recognize that Although in our flesh, we don't get it and we want to know why and this is And that's sort of a version of suffering, not having the answers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And having to submit to God. Again, going back to that that point, submitting it to him, even though- Whether you like it or not. Even though in our flesh, this makes no sense why a plane crashed into the World Trade Center and all those people. Yep. You know? So I think this- 
is easier to understand this particular passage when we think about what I just said. You have to believe that God is good no matter what. Hey, it's Holly again. This is the part where I remind you that our ministry is supported by donations and ask you to prayerfully consider helping to financially support the ministry of Study with Friends. But guess what? In this particular study, you'll hear us talk a little bit about a book called Searching for God, recently published by Zondervan and available on their website or ours. It's a great resource for equipping yourself in the way that 1 Peter 3.15 instructs us. It says, be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Searching for God is for individual or group study, and it'll walk you through some of the challenges that you're facing from the culture and maybe friends or family who don't understand your faith. It'll help you have the confidence you need to have those conversations in an informed but loving way. You can get this book, Searching for God, on our website, studywithfriends.org, and that supports our ministry too, so that's a win-win. I hope you take a moment to visit our website. You'll find a lot of free resources there as well. That's studywithfriends.org. See you next time. We study with friends. Sometimes I don't know how to answer questions about Christianity. Sometimes I get asked questions that I wonder myself. I know I don't have all the answers, and I trust the Bible to guide me. But for someone who doesn't believe in the Bible, where do I even start? Searching for God is a study package you can do alone or with a group. It'll walk you through some of the challenges you're facing from friends or family who don't understand your faith. Searching for God. Available at Zondervan.com.